Hey, uh, my name is Brian. If you're a guest or a visitor, uh, maybe a family member, a friend, or uh, you're coming back visiting, uh, visiting us from uh, the Christmas Eve services, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming back and, and joining us. Uh, if you came to support Christopher, family, friend, whatever, uh, glad that you're here uh, doing that. Uh, a little bit about our church is uh, we're a small family church. Look around. Uh, you'll see who we are, kind of uh, pick up the vibe. Very relational, uh, intergenerational, uh, widow, single, married, uh, etc. And so we're just glad you're here with us. And, and a couple things that we like to do is... Uh, really address cultural issues on a regular basis. Uh, anything from uh, racism to abortion to mental illness, uh, and the list goes on. Uh, because sometimes those things are thought of as being taboo within the church, uh, that we're not going to talk about those things, uh, both in the church and even outside of the church. And every now and then, uh, God gives us uh, someone who's courageous enough uh, to be, able, be willing to join us up on stage uh, and share their story, and we've had so many different people join us up here, and uh, today is no different where we open the scriptures, but also open up uh, a story. Uh, and, you know, when we begin to talk about mental health uh, and anxiety and depression and uh, OCD and the list goes on, uh, we can tend to think that those are modern-day uh, struggles, and, and nothing could be farther from the truth. These are things that people have struggled with from the beginning of time. In fact, if you open the scriptures from the earliest of time, uh, there have been struggles. And I just want to uh, highlight a few of those. You know, if you look in, there's a book in the Old Testament, it, it, which is, if you're new to church, is just kind of the beginning part of the Bible in, in a book that's called Proverbs. Chapter 12, it says, the worries of this world can weigh a person down. Uh, and your version might uh, say it a little bit differently, but the worries of this world can weigh a person down, and, and you can probably relate to that within your own story and in your own life circumstances where we all have different situations. The, there's a Hebrew word for weigh, and that's shacha, and that means to bow down or to depress. And so, you know, this idea of depression, this is, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, and then we look at uh, the book of Psalm, another book in the Old Testament, Psalm 143. I'm losing all of my hope. I am paralyzed with fear. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced being parallel, paralyzed by fear. And you're not alone. Uh, King David, Saul, Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, Judas, Jonah, Peter, the list goes on of people who had such things going on in the heart and the mind that were so overwhelming of what am I supposed to do with this? And so that's why we begin to talk about mental health, um, uh, anxiety, our struggles, because if you are someone who can relate to that, or maybe you have a loved one uh, who uh, has experienced or is experiencing that, you're not alone. Uh, Matthew, uh, a book in the Bible in the Newer Testament, uh, means uh, the second half of the Bible. Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who, who are weary, and, I will, and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And my hope and prayer uh, as the pastor of this church is that um, if you've come to, you're searching for hope, you're searching for that peace, you're searching for that rest as you find it here today, uh, either through the scriptures or through Christopher's story, um, but at least if you find it for an hour, 
um, than if you have been dealing with a struggle or, or um, in recent time, then even an hour of rest is worth it. And so that's our hope and prayers that you're able to experience that. Uh, I'm going to pray for Christopher, and then we'll invite him up, and uh, you guys will be an incredibly warm and inviting and accepting audience, correct? Amen. All right. Let's pray together. So, Lord, as we begin uh, to talk about this story, uh, we're, we're asking that you would um, be the guiding force behind it. Uh, Christopher has a story, and it needs to be shared, and he's willing to do that. So please speak through him, protect him, give him peace and patience. Um, and I pray that you would open up the hearts uh, for those of us in this room that will receive that story, uh, that you would use it to bring hope. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please welcome Christopher Boussard? So you guys are going to be super welcoming, smiling, nodding, right? Let's practice our nods and our smiles. Yeah, awesome. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, so Christopher, uh, on behalf of the whole church uh, and your friends and family and, and uh, people that have uh, come here, I just want to tell you thank you. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know Christopher, this is the last place he would like to be, is up on stage with all of you staring at him. Uh, so uh, one thing that would help is every now and then just stare at the ground or at me, not just stare directly at him. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm going to ask you, before we kind of get into your story, and, and just so you know, uh, what we're kind of doing this morning is, is highlighting uh, Christopher's book that he wrote on his fight with depression, uh, which will be at the table. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but we also want to get into more than just what's in the book. And so if you would start, just kind of give us some broad brushstrokes before we dive in. Who are you? Uh, tell us about your family, what you do. Take a breath. I'm here for you. <laughs> well... Um, first, I would like to thank you for putting that picture up because I promise I changed my shoes since that picture. <laughs> it is a different pair of pants, though, so they look... So that's kind of... I don't... I didn't know that. I don't change my wardrobe very much. Um, I wear black. <laughs> that's it. So I didn't recognize that, so we're off to a great start. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of who I am. A lot of people just, I'm very um, mundane. I've been told I'm bland. Um, but a little bit more um, personally, so I'm a, a firefighter. I've been a firefighter for uh, 17 years now. I did, okay. yeah. um, did 10 years as a volunteer. I've been almost seven career um, I have, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Molly, that I, I love you, but I'm probably not going to be able to look at you today. <laughs> and we have three amazing children, uh, 11, 8, and 5. They are a handful, but I, we love them very much. Um, and, you know, just, I, I have lived in Colorado my whole life. I was born in Boulder. I don't travel far. I don't change my 
routine very often, so I'm very comfortable how I am, but I do enjoy everything uh, that Colorado has to offer. Uh, one of my bu good buddies, he's working today, um, otherwise I'm sure he would be here, said, the problem with living in Colorado is I have too many hobbies. And so I enjoy hiking and fishing and hunting and, uh, you know, mountain climbing and, and uh, you know, boating, ki uh, canoeing, kind of everything, camping, love camping. Um, we just got a pop-up, so we're going to be doing more of that. Um, but my big joy is just spending time with my family. So uh, if, if you haven't picked up a copy of this, uh, it's, it's pretty fresh off the presses. Christopher wrote this um, to, to basically tell the story in part of what you're going to be able to hear uh, this morning. It's written to uh, help those who are struggling uh, to come alongside them, uh, to let people know you're not alone. And so, Christopher, you, you kind of kick off this story. It's really written in story form. Talking about as early as kindergarten, you knew you were different. Uh, that something happened, that there was a, a, a moment of understanding where you went, I'm not like everyone else. Can you take us to that moment and, and kind of explain that a little bit? Um, the earliest I remember, I was four years old. Um, and I think even from then, I just something wasn't right, but I wasn't around other kids. Um, and it kind of, as soon as I got around other children in kindergarten, it kind of sealed the, my thought that something about me was different. I wasn't like the other kids. Um, I'd watch other kids have fun and play and uh, enjoy, enjoy like playing together. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to play with the other kids. I had a close group of friends. Um, I even, even in kindergarten, I think I had maybe had one other friend. Um, but I just wasn't, I, I wasn't the way I thought I was supposed to be. Uh, just weird things, uh, just throughout school, it was strange things. I couldn't pay attention to stuff. Um, I just was so in my head that I was different and something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, didn't know what it was. Um, all the way through high school, um, I think my daughter's in, in the, you know, she's sitting right there, probably, close your ears, Taylor. I never read an entire book all the way through high school. Um, I, I didn't because I couldn't. It, there was no point because when I would read something, uh, I, it didn't make sense. Um, my dad, I know he, I know he wasn't getting after me. There was one thing that uh, I remember specifically, specifically. I was reading a book, and I finished the book. I read the whole. I, I read as much as I could, um, and he said, "Okay, you know, I, I was supposed to do a book report about it." He said, uh, "Okay, what was the book about?" I was like, "I don't know." Like this, there was a kid, and he likes jets. He's like, "Well, what about it?" And I was like, "I don't know." So he picked it up, read the back cover, and he said, "Yeah, they." the kid's initials are J-E-T. I was like, I didn't even know. So throughout all of school, I, it was just, I kind of blended in. Even reading, uh, I, I would learn to um, pick up what other kids were talking about, uh, what other people were doing. 
I blended in. Uh, my older brother, Ryan, who's here, um, I just kind of followed him. And um, most of the time, he was a good role model. Uh, he kind of picked on me, but he was always there. Uh, he always had my back. And um, But I just kind of did what he did. And I hung out with our friends and just tried to uh, imitate them and just kind of blend in. Got it. So Christopher have, and I have a lot in common. Uh, we share the same hair, uh, which is super important. Um, there's a few of you who are close to being in that club. Uh, you're just fighting it. <laughs> um, Pat. Um, just kidding. Um, uh, I'm a former cop, first responder, uh, so Christopher and I share that, but we also share this. Uh, I, too, never read a single book uh, before college, uh, ever, uh, from cover to cover, could not read, uh, could not understand, could not comprehend, uh, and so we share that, uh, and now I can't do anything but read, um, so in uh, your book is one of those. When you discovered that something was different, um, and there is that keen realization uh, of, I'm not like all the other kids. Where's your relationship with God at that point once, once you have that discovery? Um, so just like not remembering ever feeling normal, I don't ever remember not believing in God. Um, it's just it, both of those have been universal truths in my life from, is, like I said, I remember uh, four years old and as long as I remember, uh, those were truths for me. Um, but it's been, it's been a struggle um, it, trying to ask why, uh, um, why, why God wouldn't just heal me. Mm -hmm. um, and can you remember that early? Um, I don't really remember those kind of conversations with God until I, because I just didn't know what it was. And so I just, I didn't know why, why I was different or what it was, so I just, I didn't know what to ask for. Yeah. Like, heal me, but heal me from what? Yeah. So I just didn't, I just went through life, and that's how I was, and just tried to accept it. Yeah. So uh, one of the, I'm, I'm going to be reading several excerpts uh, from Christopher's book. Uh, you write this on page 25 uh, in your book. I've spent my entire life struggling with depression, anxiety, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. It consumes me every hour of every day. It dictates my thoughts and my actions. I'm a slave to the irrational notions of my own mind. This is the cross that I bear. Every day I wonder why I am the way that I am. Why would God allow me to have this debilitating disease? If he wants me to follow him, why would he make it so hard? But then I think I'm asking the wrong questions. I struggle with what it means to follow God when suffering from a mental illness. It hurts me to see others with this same disorder, and it pains me to watch as people are overwhelmed by it and succumb to the unimaginable power of its evil. So I'm left wondering, what can I do about it? How can I reach others who suffer as I do and feel that there's no hope? How can I give them hope? I write. Kind of a powerful uh, two paragraphs of honesty of, of what uh, 
you kind of experienced? And I have a two-part question with those. Uh, number one, did you have any exposure to the, the idea of depression, the idea of anxiety uh, growing up? That, that's the first part. Um, any education or, or any talking about it? And number two, what was it like struggling with uh, what you deemed to be, quote, the wrong questions? So I didn't know anything about depression, anxiety, definitely not obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, to me, what, growing up, depression meant, like, I'm so depressed. It's just, I'm, I'm sad today. For some reason, something happened, I'm sad. Um, I'm feeling anxious, so something's coming up that just makes me jittery or, uh, or nervous or anxious. It, was, it can even be excitement. And that's all I knew. Um, never heard the words obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, until I took a psychology class in high school. And it was weird because I, you know, I knew about schizophrenia and multiple personalities. And that's kind of what, you know, I was always fascinated by that stuff even before that class. And, and, um, I thought that's what it was going to be about. And then we started off, uh, getting into the, um, kind of the anxiety and stuff like that. And I started going, oh, yeah, yeah, I have that. Uh, depression, oh, okay. And then we started talking about doing weird things, which I, I didn't understand why I did them. Uh, I, I was convinced I was the only person in the world who ever did weird things, like check the light switch four times before going to bed, um, check the door handle, you know, check the door handle a certain amount of times. Um, I had to lay out my, my shoes and my socks just right. Uh, every, just weird things. I, you know, fold my shirt just right. Uh, it, it wasn't right, so I had to redo it. And we started talking about that in class, and I, it just kind of hit me. I was like, I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, it, you know, and for me, I was like, yeah, there's something wrong with me, but at least there's something wrong, you know, there's a name for it. Um, so that was kind of, you know, I think after the fact, you, you learn, it, just like after read, writing the book, you learn that other people struggle too. Um, and I know I have family who, who deal with this, but I, growing up, I never had that, um, that exposure or it wasn't talked about just because we just didn't talk about it. Um, and I don't think anybody realized that in me because I kept it hidden. But... Your other uh, question, kind of the wrong questions I was asking. Once I, it, it seems like it's been more in my adulthood that these questions that, well, God, if you're if you're there, then why don't you just take it away from me? You know, if if you want me to follow you, then why do why do you make it hard? Why do you not just take it away? Um, and I think regardless of what you deal with, those are the questions that people ask is, if you love me, if you're there, why don't you fix this? And another question is, why, why would God allow me to be this way? Why would God allow this to happen? And I don't believe that God gives us these problems. I don't believe God gave me a mental illness. I don't believe God would have given me a debilitating uh, dis disorder. I just, 
for me, and I write about it a little bit, and I, I talk about it, it's just, I believe that's, it's part of our world. We live in a broken world, and that's, bad things happen. God doesn't take joy in them. It saddens him. I don't think that he's giving me these, but I do believe that he's saying, watch what you're going to do with it. It's a good word. Um, if you've read it, it's kind of like watching a movie. Um, there's funny parts to it uh, and sad parts to it and then teaching points, but all throughout it's just kind of like watching a movie. Um, and so I think you'll uh, enjoy that. One of the incredible chapters uh, in this, and don't look to your right, yep, there goes the hanky, um, is when you find your true love uh, in Molly. Uh, and I, I'll read... I'm going to read the second paragraph on page uh, 35. It says this. I'm not an easy person to deal with. I'm not good with relationships. I don't communicate well. And I find friendships hard to maintain. But for some reason, the piece to my puzzle that I felt had been missing for so long seems to understand me at least the best that can be expected, seeing as most of the time I can't seem to understand myself. Maybe you can relate to that. She stuck by me in my most roughest times and has helped guide me through my darkest nights. After only three years together and now 16, she agreed to marry me. When you find someone who has seen you at the capacity of wreckage, you are capable of being and loves you anyway, you don't let them go. Plus, I figured we should get married before she realized she's too good for me. <laughs> um, open up your heart a little bit here, Christopher. What's it been like for you to have Molly never give up on you and your struggles? So kind of like everybody else, I never or I didn't clue Molly into what was wrong with me. Um, it's not something that you just talk about. It's not something you open up with and, you know, hey, look at all my faults and you're free to go running for the hills. <laughs> um, but I, I slowly, I mean, she kind of got clued into things and some of them were a little harder than others. And we, we struggled um, when we first started getting to know each other because certain things I would do um, or she would do and it would set, set me off because I had my routine. And she didn't know it, but she would change my routine a little bit and I, it just kind of threw me off. And, you know, a couple times I just kind of wouldn't say I lost it, but I kind of lost it. Um, but she came back. Or I, guess, I, I guess I can't say she came back because she didn't even, she didn't go anywhere. She was right there. And it was, it was kind of um, unusual for me. I didn't understand it. But even though I tried to push her away, 
she stayed there. So it's, it's kind of been unreal, I think. I want to have you continue to kind of go there in regards to um, that relationship, that closeness that you've had with God in the midst of the fight. Uh, how that relates to you being a husband, uh, a dad, a co-worker to your team, a friend, a brother, a son, um, in the midst of, of all of that, that, that can't be easy. Um, and so what, what's that been like for you? Um, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> Um, with my with my family and my kids I think I could be wrong but I think because of it it sh allows me to show them how much more I love them um, I'm sure that they can attest to it but they're probably tired of me telling them I love you all the time like I embarrass them I grab them and in public and and just hug, hug them and tell them how much I love them all I want for them is to be happy and to be healthy um, but the problem with that is as much as I want them to be happy as I am the cause for them to not be happy a lot of the time uh, we enjoy going on vacation. I like to take my kids places. We like to take them, you know, here and there. But when we're when we're out, I get so anxious. I get so frustrated or nervous or whatever that I kind of take away their happiness. And it's hard for me to see that I'm doing that to my children. And I just hope that they can break that habit. Uh, you spent an entire chapter, I can't remember what number it is, but you spent a whole chapter on your journey on the significance of close friendships uh, with you through your journey. Uh, and, and you can see several different people named, some of you might actually even be here, um, that are in the book. Um, I, I would love for you to speak to, for those of us in the room and for, for those who are watching online, um, how important are genuine, authentic, uh, loyal friendships for someone who's struggling with depression? And um, that would be uh, question number one. And then question number two, what would you say to those who are that friend uh, to someone who is currently struggling? So, I mean, you, you said... Uh some of them may be here. Brian is here. Um, There's like you, eight. You Brian's have to figure here. out which Brian it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, it, I think this just kind of shows it. I have a lot of friends here, um, and I know I can count on all of them. Um, and that's the thing is, they're not here to judge me. They're here to support me, um, and that's that's what. That's what you need, is a friend to support, not to judge, um, just, just to be there. Um, 
somebody who can keep your secrets hidden, so somebody you can, you can pour your, your heart out to, and they can keep that, they can keep that hidden. Um, uh, Brene Brown gives a talk about empathy, is, is climbing into the hole with somebody. And that's what you need is somebody to climb into that hole with, uh, somebody who will climb in the hole with you, um, and somebody that you can do the same. I'm going to take you to uh, page 77. Um, hopefully, you, in, in reading a bunch of these, you guys are getting kind of an idea of this. Um, I told Christopher this week, uh, as we were kind of talking about this, uh, it's kind of hard to pick what's my favorite part of the book, and this is it. Uh, because I feel like this did not come from him. I feel like uh, if we had a whole panel of mental health experts, uh, doctors, therapists up here, this would uh, absolutely hit it on the nose. And here's, geez. here's what it says on page 77. It is true that actions speak louder than words, and my heart is more sincere than my mouth. I only hope that God sees the willingness of my heart and not the slander of my words. Can you take us just a little bit deeper into your heart behind that phrase? Yeah, um, I'm a hypocrite. Um, I think we all are, but with that, like I said, I don't believe that God gave me the these problems. So I sit here and I tell him, if you if you love me, you will take this away, and whatever I'm going through gets worse. And I say. I say, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go my way, and you go your way, and um, I will deal with it on my own, and I want God to see my heart, because I know, even as I'm saying it, I don't mean it, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm saying, just, just leave me alone, then I will deal with it on my own, and I think he's just going, no, no, you're not, you know better, and I know better that you're still going to follow me. And I hope that whatever I say, whatever I, whatever comes out of my mouth or when I'm talking, that that's not what he pays attention to, but what I'm actually doing. Let's shift to uh, OCD. Uh, you've, you've touched a little bit on it. Um, you, in, throughout the book, you, you chronicle... Um, with great articulation, uh, the struggle of, of not just depression, anxiety, and OCD, but kind of all of them on a Keras wheel uh, at, at different times. But um, here's what you say on page 91. One theory is that obsessive compulsive disorder begins with one's inability to accept a loss of control over a certain situation. I may not be able to control whether I or someone in my family gets sick. There are countless circumstances that are beyond my control. The question is, does God control my life or does he leave it up to my own free will? 
does my faith or lack thereof cause God to interfere with acts of nature in order for me not to be susceptible to one disease or another? Why do I think that I'm so special? That's the honesty that's kind of written in every page, um, the transparency. That's why I love it. Um, where are you with God and in, in, in your OCD aspects of your fight today? Where, where's that at? I'm, honestly, it's, it's moment to moment, day to day right now. Um, some days I'm more brave than others, so I'm willing to uh, change a behavior um, and some days it's harder. Uh, I, I feel like there's things that I have to do, but even as I'm doing them, I feel that God's sitting here going, you don't have to do that. And I'm going, yes, I do. Um, and those are, those are days I'm weak. Uh, but on my, the stronger days, days I'm a little bit more brave, I'm, going, yeah, you're right, um, and I will not do something that I, I need to do, but it, it's still day-to-day. -day. Uh, towards the end of your book, you, you go into great detail explaining how depression can steal your joy. Uh, even if you have a desire for it, you can be robbed of that joy. Um, can you address uh, for those in the room that can relate to that or, or who are watching online, um, maybe someone who that they love dearly and they're seeing that joy robbed and, and give them some direction? Yeah, I mean, I wish I, I, wish I could be happy. You know, like I, like I said earlier, I want my kids to be happy, but I kind of take that away from them. Uh, we go in and we do something fun uh, and enjoyable, but I, I sit there and I can't, I, I can't take as much joy in my kids' happiness as I should. Um, and sometimes it's just, I just kind of need to be, just sit there and watch, allowed to just sit there and watch my kids because that's what makes me happy is watching other people happy. Um, I go fishing with my friends um, watching them have fun makes me happy. So being with my friends and knowing that they're enjoying our time together, that can make me happy. Being with my family and um, watching, them can, watching them have fun, that can be happy. I may not be happy in the moment, but maybe that's just, that's what I need is to just know that other people are enjoying our time together. And I think if, if it's somebody who just wants to be left alone, that they may not need to be left alone. They, they don't want you sitting there telling them what they should and shouldn't do, but just allow them to just kind of be in the moment and en enjoy just being together. You quote Romans 5, uh, verses 3 and 4 on page 121, uh, chapter 9. You say, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Um, I would love for you to expand on that verse, why you picked it, uh, and why that's instrumental for you in the midst of uh, your struggle and your call and, and how God is, is using you now with that? 
Um, I picked that one. That, that's kind of big for me um, in everything because I, every day is a struggle, and I, and I know that um, my struggle today is hopefully bringing hope to somebody else. Um, I didn't write my book for myself. Uh, I, I would rather be sitting in the third row back there on the end um, in my seat. I don't want to be up here. But my struggle is not because of me. My life is not because of me. And my life is not about me. Um, I believe in my soul that my name is written in the book of life. And if that's true, then none of this is about me. My life is not about me. It's about other people who struggle. It's about other people who are lost, who lose hope. And it's about getting those names in the book of life. Um, you might be here today and, and mistakenly um, look at Christopher and go, that was his fight with the battle of, of depression, anxiety, and OCD, and, and, and. Um, or maybe you, you don't even know Christopher at all and think, oh, man, he's on the other side of this now, and, and the story's over, and, and everything's just this storybook ending, um, and nothing could be farther from the truth. The fight continues. Um, can you, uh, for, for, for people who have already read the book uh, or do know you, can you give us an update on, you know, we started at kindergarten, uh, and we moved now into your 40s, I figured I'd round. <laughs> Close. Almost. Not quite. Just kind of round up. Um, where are you at in the fight today? Um, like I said, it's it's day to day, um, and I. It's it's continuing. It's it's a daily thing. Um, the things that I write, wrote about, I still deal with. These arguments with God, I still deal with. Um, I have tried all the medications. Um, my doctors have told me that they can't do any more um, because they either don't work or the side effects that I get from them, I can't, um, I can't deal with. Uh, so I'm actually going, I'm, I'm in counseling um, the big thing is, is she's, she's trying to um, address my obsessive-compulsive disorder because she believes that that is the root of a lot of my anxiety. Um, she says that somebody who, it, with the, my extent, um, cannot get better on their own. She has never seen anybody with my extent of obsessive-compulsive disorder get better on their own. Um, so we're trying to tr address that. Um, on top of that, I have decided to try and go back to school to um, 
work on a degree in counseling myself. Um, in the fire service, we don't have a, enough people who understand the, the specific struggles of um, first responders, um, police officers, uh, EM, EMS workers, firefighters. It's difficult to find somebody who understands the job, let alone what we, what we see and what we do. So with my, with my history, I, I felt that this is my calling is uh, as a firefighter to, to be able to help other people who struggle as well as firefighters who struggle and police officers military, people who struggle because of the job. Even though I don't struggle from the job, I have that understanding. So that is my goal. Um, and I would hopefully like to work as a firefighter and work alongside as a counselor for people who need that. So if I understand it right, you have one more class at Red Rocks, uh, and then yeah. uh, Christopher's been accepted to UNC uh, to pursue um, psychology, a uh, degree in psychology. Um, and again, you know, as, as we talked about on Friday, um, you know, sometimes we can read these scriptures and uh, they sound pretty, uh, or maybe we've done a word study on them, but then you see something practically lived out, this endurance uh, this perseverance, this character building, uh, this hope. Uh, and I know Christopher's heart, again, is, is not to have the limelight on him. God has uh, allowed this, uh, and I think you're pretty clear uh, that he hasn't prescribed it for you, but he has allowed it for whatever reason. And yet, uh, through perseverance and character, um, God continues to uh, write uh, additional pages to your story. Uh, and there, I have no doubt there will be another book um, that uh, brings you uh, and the readers to a place of, of seeing what does then God do um, with our struggles. And, and I see that. Uh, as we get ready to kind of wrap up our time, uh, I told Christopher we could probably do this for two hours, honestly. Um, but you'll just have to buy the book. A um, little quick plug there. Christopher ends uh, the entire book this way. I'm not sure if I'm stubborn or persistent, but I feel the need to continue pressing forward. Maybe I still have hope that I will be able to make a difference. Maybe I still have the hope that what I do is for a greater purpose. Maybe it's something bigger than myself. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit nudging me through each day. And if I have purpose to continue working towards something greater than I can imagine, I will push forward to give others hope. My story is not a cheerful one. I'm not about to pass along the secret of happiness, and I don't conclude with a storybook ending. But I do hold on to hope. I hold on to hope because through my suffering, I will continue to persevere. I hold on to hope because I know the story isn't over yet. I hold on to hope that I can give someone else hope. Hope that we'll see them through tomorrow and that together we will persevere. 
hope that is that after this life is over, when there's no more sorrow, when there are no more tears, that we will meet face to face. And then you quote 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Christopher, I want to, as your friend and as your pastor, I want to thank you for being obedient to write this book. Um, I want to say thank you for having the courage to set an example to all of us who are here and, and watching, to not allow something to stay in the dark, but for having it be brought into the light. And for so long, uh, you, you sat on that row and it, it stayed in the darkness. And it's out in the light. And um, talking with me extensively, talking with your counselor extensively, writing this book, and now sitting here before all of these people uh, takes a level of courage and strength and transparency that um, is not common. Because this world says, have it together and be okay. And what you're shouting from the rooftops is, it's, a, it's okay not to be okay. And I just want to see a show of hands. If you know someone or you yourself struggle with anything we've talked about, would you just raise your hand and keep it up? See, just look around. All of you, just look around. Keep your hand up real quick. You say, well, why do we have to talk about this in the church? That's why. Because it's life. And the Bible addresses life. And there's, there's so much good. Um, but there's also realness, and uh, you might be here today and, and struggling yourself. You might be here today, and, and your husband or, or your wife or your child is struggling, and you need to know you're not alone. You are not alone in that struggle. Uh, there are so many of us that will struggle with you, um, but you also have a God of all creation who loves you, who gave his son to die for you so that you could find hope and that there is strength and peace. And as we started the morning, there's rest to be found in him. And so I just want to say to you, Christopher, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, at the end of the service, uh, Christopher and Molly um, will be uh, at their table uh, in the back. Uh, you might want to talk to Christopher um, and say, man, like, you're describing everything that I'm feeling. Uh, thank you. You might want to buy the book. Or maybe you're like Molly where you're the spouse of and you're needing some hope and some direction and some strength. Molly will be there as well. Uh, even if you're caught up in emotion and you don't know what to say, you can just go get a hug. Maybe not from Christopher, but certainly from Molly. Um, if you are someone who is struggling, uh, we have resources. Uh, we have a, a laundry list of counselors uh, that we will help refer you to 
uh, if finances are a struggle for you and, and you're not getting help because you can't afford it, uh, we have a benevolence fund and we will figure out a way to help you. Uh, if you have a family member or a friend who's struggling and you're looking for help on how to come alongside them, we'll help you with that. But whatever you do, please don't get in your car and, and drive away going, I still have to figure it out on my own uh, because that's not true. And if you are the person who is struggling and you walk through our front doors, you are welcome here. You are welcome here in your struggle, in your anxiety, in your depression, in your mood swings. You are welcome here, not just by God, but by those of us who make up the body of this church. You are welcome here. Uh, and so thank you. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, we'll get off the stage. The, the team will lead us uh, here. And then, um, yeah, just super thankful for today. God, thanks for my friend Christopher. On his behalf, um, he's glad that this interview is over. Um, but I am so grateful that... Um, you spoke through him. You gave him eloquence. You gave him peace of mind. Uh, you gave him your words. And I trust with everything within me uh, that this morning was uh, edifying to you and to the body of Christ. I trust that uh, hope was given. Not just because of uh, Christopher's story, but because of you walking beside him in the midst of that story. I thank you that the scriptures tell us that your son, Jesus, endured everything that we experience in this world and that he can relate. That he's not a high priest and a, and a distant deity that is unrelatable, but personal and loving and kind and is close to the brokenhearted. I want to thank you that you've been close to my friend. I want to thank you that you've been close to his bride. I pray that his kids would see uh, a pride in their dad, willing to be authentic and transparent. God, I want to pray for the person who's struggling, either at home watching this or, or here in this room. Would you muster hope? Would you muster peace? Would you muster up a dependency? And draw their hearts to you and that they would find a, a loving God, a, a heavenly Father whose arms are open wide. And they would experience that love maybe for the very first time. So thanks. It's a hard story. It's a choppy story at times, but it's it's your story, it's Christopher's story, and it makes it special. So thank you for his vulnerability, thank you for his transparency, thank you for his courage. You are so good. And now guide us as we worship you, guide our hearts, draw them to you. Allow conversations to happen with Christopher and Molly after the service. Uh, allow this book uh, to be used uh, to give hope and some direction, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, would you please stand?